subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Matt and Garrett are back with you again. Super excited. We are still diving into some of the questions that have come out of the Facebook group. I want to say thank you to everybody that submitted those. So we'll get to that in just a second. As we get started here, if you're listening for a first time, or if you listen to a couple and you still don't know why we do this, go check out ninjaselling.com. That is what uh, Matt and I uh, basically work all of our days around helping people one-on-one build ninja selling practices into their business. And Matt, with that, I'm going to jump right into this topic. I am super excited about this topic because this is one that I have watched people kind of fumble around for a long, many years. They've all tried to figure out how do we do this, which is when you are working with somebody who is a buyer that's moving up in the marketplace, and so they are a seller and a buyer at exactly the same time, what do you do first? How do you handle those questions? What order do you put them in? Do you do them all at the same time? Do you mix that meeting into one big meeting? And uh, Matt, this is going to be fun. Yes, this is going to be fun because this is... I get this so much in coaching calls too. Like, hey, I got a buyer and a seller. You know, what do I do first? So Jim King with um, Green Ridge Realty. I still got to look up where where that's located here. I'll, I'll I'll find that out and drop that in. But he he posted this question in our Facebook group when you had asked for topics, Gary. And the responses it was like everyone's like, yes, please, yeah. this more. <laughs> we got gifts of people with pointing arrows and things like that. Like everybody wanted to hear about this topic because it's just a common thing. People are like, well, do I start with the seller process? Do I start with the buyer process? And Garrett, you know, we have kind of um some basic rules there. Yeah. I think that we'll 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 probably kick off with, but there are also the exceptions, right? And Jim is in Greenville. Well he's born and raised in Greenville, Michigan. And so he's in the Michigan area. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so find and look at I don't know why this went- is so hard to find out where where he is, but um, you just announced where he was born. That's awesome. Really, because I was reading his bio here, which Jim, you have a great bio on your website. <laughs> I feel like we should add more information about us. Jim's also an attorney. He is a husband, a father, and a realtor, but he's also a attorney. So he's got some. I mean, I'm going off on a sidetrack thing here right now, but um, got a lot of lot of stuff going on. He's got a really good background. I would, I'd bet the. Perfection and peace people would really enjoy working with Jim for sure. So it's interesting you brought up the perfection side because I think that's the piece of everybody when they're doing the 10 step buyers process and the Sweet 16 listing presentation with their clients. I think that's the perfection side of people that go, like, I need an order now. Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And I made the joke before we got on the uh, podcast here, which I said, you know, what Matt, what a lot of people want to do is they have like, Everybody knows playing cards. And you when you get the bicycle playing cards, and I think they make lots of different ones, but you get the red deck and you have the blue deck. And I think a lot of people look at it as like, how do you take the deck and like shuffle them all together? Like <laughs> just take both and like, and we all know when that's been done with the deck, and you're like, oh God, the kids got their hands on the playing cards because they're all mixed up. And you're like, oh, you got to sit there and like organize them all out. And I think that's what people try to do with this, Matt. I'm I'm really I'm excited to kind of go in about how how do you shuffle the deck? Do you shuffle the deck at all? And what are the consequences of shuffling the deck at the same time as like what are the consequences or what are the wins of keeping it two completely separate platforms? Right. 
And I'll start right off with, you don't want to shuffle the deck, guys. No. <laughs> Let's just get real clear. That shuffling of the deck uh, can cause a ton of confusion. And I think it's where a lot of people say, like, I've got these people, they want to sell. They need to sell. It's a listing that I have coming up, but they need to be able to buy something. And you can just tell there's no forward momentum. And I'll ask my people that I coach, I'm like, have you done the, the, the steps with them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've asked them all the questions. And you can tell that all of this stuff got all muddied together. And now you have a confused client. Matt, have you seen similar things like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that's where one thing we, we need to remember for those of you who've been through an installation, they say like there is a reason why the questions are in this order. And so if you haven't been through an installation and this is your first time hearing it, there is a reason why the questions are in a certain order. And when working with somebody who is trying to sell and buy, it can get confusing because I think also as a consumer, it's like, well, what do I need to focus on? Because don't I need to know what my home might sell for before I go and buy? But I always say like, let's, and I, and I mentioned this in the Facebook post there is, let's start with the buyer interview in order, right? If possible, most of the time, let's sit down and do the buyer process because there's a reason why somebody wants to move that has to do with a vision for the future. And we want to understand that vision. We want to get clarity on that vision because that's going to then help us go back and figure out the other parts, right? Someone might call and say, hey, Garrett, I'm thinking about selling my house. And that's where you have the opportunity to say, great, awesome. Tell me about that. Why are you selling? Well, we want to move to a bigger house in our neighborhood or whatever it is. Oh, okay. That should be like the little light bulb that goes off and say, okay, we we have a buyer here. They're saying they're a seller, but we really have a buyer first. And let's go through the order of those things so that we can create clarity with that vision. Because otherwise, Garrett, it happens like you said, things get muddied and then the vision is unclear because there, we're, we're not understanding exactly where we want to go. We might have some ideas because it's like, well, I, I asked this question when we were showing this house. I asked this question over the phone the other day. It's like, cool. We need to pull it all together, not just for you, the realtor, it's for them, the buyer. And I think that's the other thing with these processes, Garrett. They're designed for the client, not necessarily for the realtor. I was wanting to say so badly, Matt, so I'm happy you said it. <laughs> There's so many sales systems out there that are designed around how to get you to close somebody, how to sell something fast, how to get somebody to write the contract so you can get paid. And it's been one of the things that's really been like smacking me upside the face lately about why does Ninja work so well as a referral-based relationship business and model is because you realize the closing is going to come, the deals, gonna, the paycheck will come, but the system is not designed to get somebody to buy or to sell. It's to help somebody buy and sell. It's to guide them so they have all the right information so they can get from point A to point B. And the byproduct is they walk away from it going like, I'm so happy Matt Benelli was in our world as we were going through this process because he was there to help us. He was there to guide us. He had all the right questions and all the right information when we needed it. So Matt, thank you for saying that because it gets massively overlooked when people try to understand what Ninja is. And they're looking for more closing tools and mo more sales techniques. And you got to understand these processes benefit the real estate agent because it's going to best use your time. At the same time, they're really designed to help the client be able to move forward. With that being said, 
when you start with the buyer, as you were talking about, Matt, I was I had this this picture that came to my mind of a vision board. And a vision board is a way that you look into the future and you get clarity about where you're going and what you want to accomplish, what the big goal is that's out there, what you want your life to look like. And sometimes we get so focused on, well, they've got to sell to be able to buy. So let's figure out this listing. But we haven't helped them build a vision board for where they're going. And this is why I'm a big believer. You've got to go to the buyer's process first. You understand they're a seller. Great. We're going to figure that out. But we got to go to this buyer process first. And 100%, not mix it together. Do not shuffle the decks. Do this one in pure <laughs> purity. And you're going to come out the other side of it going, okay, we have this grand vision of what you want. And when we go through on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in the buying process right now? We're about a 5. What would have to happen for you to be a 10? We would need to sell our house. Great. Let's now work on that piece. And we can now start working through that. But at least we've got this. That's the only objection. We need to sell this house. We have this beautiful vision of where we want to go. I love the 1 to 10 question in the buyer process, right? Because it it has the buyer tell you exactly what needs to happen for them to be ready to write a contract. And it doesn't mean you stop the buyer process. It just lets you know, okay, when we get to these points, these are things we need to address. We need to sell our house. Great. Let's do the pieces of paper. Let's you know, go through the rest of the conversation about how we're going to do the home search. And then we can come in and do... I do suggest sometimes do the pre-listing interview on the back end of the buyer consultation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If time allows, right? Because the other thing is you don't want to get be sitting there with somebody for three hours and people getting burnt out. You can always do the pre-listing interview at another time. So we're, what we're not saying is you have to elongate these processes and drag it out and go start searching for homes, then figure out the buy. But we do need to get that vision set on the buy because what happens, Garrett, if somebody sets a vision of, here's what I want to buy, right? And we have a problem with that vision that has nothing to do with selling the house, right? But we're focused now on trying to get the house listed, and we never have paid attention to this problem with the, with the the buying process. That now we have a listed house and we don't have a buyer. Yep. Like now we're now we're like, oh gosh. Well, now now when it comes down to getting them or to having them do things about with this property that's going to help it sell. Their brains going, well, we haven't found what we want to buy yet. So, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we don't need to adjust the price yet because, you know, what if this thing sells quickly and we don't have another property? And we're just, this is where it gets all muddied up and it's weird where it's like, no, we have a very clear vision of what we're going for. But as we said, we can't do anything about it until this home sells. That's the number one hitch in here. So, it's like, mm-hmm. we'd love to have this be like this perfect puzzle piece where it's like, we sell and we've got this house that's like ready right behind it for us to move right into it. Everything is timed perfectly to make it happen. And we're going to try to do that. But at the end of the day, this is your plan. You told me exactly what you want. When you have that clear vision, as you're going through the selling process, you get to start reminding them of this place that they're going to, what this life is going to look like, this house that they're going to be able to have that's closer to the schools, closer to family closer to you know walking distance so they don't have to drive so much you know to all the things that they're going to need in town i think of like fort collins there's a certain time like where it's like you know you could live out in the country or it might be fun to live in town so you can take advantage of walking to all the restaurants and breweries and all that kind of stuff 
when you start painting that vision of this is what we're going to be doing now, now you have the pieces of the puzzle you need to help them be really strong sellers. And that's where we need to put this together in a very clear order. You do the buyer's process. Once you get that done, Matt, as you said, you could do the pre-listing interview right there in that moment in time, but I would probably let them breathe a little bit. Yeah, I would probably say, okay, we've got this hammered out. Let's start working now on the sell side. If you could do the buyer, I mean, the pre-listing process is easy to do over the phone. Yeah, 10 minutes. And then you can then bring them back in saying, now I need to come and see the house. I want to see what's going on. But Garrett, they're gonna, they want to invite me over to the house and we're just going to do it all in one sitting. One sitting, we're just going to bang it all out. They, they said, hey, come over and see the house. Like We want to, we want to get all this done. What, what do I say? What do I tell them? So remember, as we always talk about, Matt, you control the process, they control the decisions. So here's what you have is you can say, we can do this all at once if you want. I have a process. First off, we're going to make sure that we have a very clear vision of where we're going. Then we're going to figure out what we're going to do with the, the current house that you have. I recommend that we break this into two pieces. We can do it all the way through. What are you, what are you hosting for lunch? Do you guys, you guys have lunch? Yeah, it's, this is... Because- we're gonna we're gonna need that break. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think should I bring pizza? You show up with a cooler. They're like, what's that for? Like, oh, we're, this is this is all day. We're doing this all day. We're gonna need this. <laughs> this is about a three beer process. <laughs> Waters, hydration. <laughs> like she got energy drinks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, one other thing that comes up, particularly in in like a springtime market or a a low inventory, high demand market that a lot of people are experiencing is, well, we need to move fast and I need them to sell their house first so that we can be in a position to buy. And a lot of people say, well, so we need to focus on the seller process first to say no, because if we if they don't understand, if the client is not clear on what the playing field is for buying a house, they're not going to understand what they need to do to get the house sold and then make the double move or have the, the the lease back or whatever it is. And it's like, well, but what if they don't find what they want? We go through that. Well, that's why you do the buyer process first. So they understand, are we going to be able to find what we want? Or is this something that we're not ready to do? Yeah. Because I think in the agent's mind, we're always thinking, how do I get the transaction done? When we need to be thinking, how do I help this person in front of me have the clarity so that they can understand what they're facing in the marketplace so they can make a decision on what they want to do? Right. And I mean, I will say we we recently bought and sold and we did the buyer process first. Now, granted, we we did buy a new construction, so there was timeline there that gave us plenty of plenty of time. But I, I will admit I did also sit on my listing for a little bit, probably I thought almost too long. It all worked out. And we're gonna do an episode about that. But doing the buyer process first was great because we had clarity on where do we want to go, which then made it easy to list the house. Now you can negotiate too. See, you're you're a weak negotiator when you don't know what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. When you have a seller now that is a very clear about where they're going, now you have a strong negotiator. So that when they're sitting there and saying, should we reduce the price? Should we take the lesser offer that's just now been put in front of us? Well, that lesser offer, even if it sells, gets us to where we're going. Like this gets us to that the finish line. If they don't have a clear vision of where they're going and they get this low ball offer that comes in or somebody asks for a ridiculous thing on the inspections, 
It's like, well, what do we do with it now? And it's very hard to sit there and make an educated decision about it now. Now it's just numbers you're looking at. Yeah. And it's like, oh gosh, well, that's less money. So we can't do this. We can't do that. And it's just like, no, 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 no. No, stop. We're lost. Oh, look at just that. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and sometimes that is the case. Sometimes you do find out that, hey, this vision that we want, and then we go back and we go through the seller process that is a hard conversation to have. You do the buyer process. We create this grand vision. Now we're ready to go through the seller process. We sit down and we have that pricing discussion. And the seller, the client, I should say, goes, well, I understand what you're showing me here. And based on this information, I don't know if we're going to be able to net enough money out of the house to do what we want on the buy side. But if you have clarity on that vision, we can go right back and pull out the pieces of paper and say, well, are there things on here that we're willing to compromise on? Because remember, the reason why you wanted to buy wasn't to accomplish all of these things. It was because you wanted primarily X. Yep. And I think we can still get X. It may not be as perfect as you wanted, but it'll be it'll solve the pain that is existing here. Then you get to go back into like what we're truly searching for is the 85% home. You've given me all these things that you want in your next property. And really, at the end of the day, we're searching for something that fits 85%. If we look at this as 85%, can we accomplish that based on what we've just negotiated here? We're in the middle of negotiating. Mm -hmm. Now we can have, again, an educated conversation with them instead of it just being this one item that we're negotiating on with no vision of what it actually means to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might end up with, gosh, you know, maybe, maybe we need to wait or maybe we're not ready to go or maybe these things just aren't aligned for us right now. You might end up with that. And that's okay because now you've also saved time for all of you. You didn't go on the market with a house that's not going to sell. You didn't start looking at properties with a buyer who can't buy those houses. So by doing the buyer process first, getting that clarity, then moving to the seller process, you're going to have a client that is more clear. Now, Garrett, what happens if, and because I got this question from a client the other day, what happens if I have somebody who calls to sell and they're not really sure what they want to do on the buy side. Like they just kind of want to sell and they're not really clear on that. Like they just really want to go through that seller process first and understand what would it look like if we were to sell our house before they go to the buyer process. Can I, can I appease them and do that first? Is that okay? So uh, again, this always goes, anytime somebody takes the reins on the process that hard, you just got to be, you got to be careful uh, about what, what situation you're jumping into at the same point is like, I would actually have no problem going through the seller process with them and going to their house. And I'm looking at like my home and go like, well, I want to get a clear vision about like what kind of net and money am I actually talking that I'm working with here? And from that point, then we can decide, okay, if we were to pull everything out of this house and be able to make a move, what Price range could that allow me to start working in or looking in or, or you know building a next vision around? I could see sitting down and going through the listing process with somebody and just saying, "There's no way though. Like there's a certain point there that I won't list your house, put it on the market until we have gone through the buyer's process, because." If you can't get that bigger vision again, then we just have somebody hoping for a dollar or going like, okay, if we can get that dollar, we could buy houses like this in our area. It's like, no, no, no. It, we got to make this a much clearer vision about what we're trying to accomplish. In the big picture again, Matt, if somebody comes to me and says, 
we have an idea of what we want to buy. We also need to sell to be able to make it happen. Buyer's process, seller's process, then we list. Yeah. What you just said, which totally could happen. And and I could see it like again, and I could totally resonate with that with my own world that I'm in of if I needed to sell this house to be able to move up, I could potentially say like, I just need to know what I'm working with here. If I was a totally uneducated, did not get how the real estate situation worked. Because again, I may not even know what could happen yeah, and how that might look. And if somebody could sit down and do a net sheet with me, you're going to have this much money come out of it. This is the money you're going to have to be able to use to a next sale. This is what those numbers would look like. It could start helping me be able to then build a vision of where we're going. And I think this is where you have to use your discretion to understand. And, and this is where there is a lot of stuff that happens. There's conversation that happens before these processes begin, right? I mean, no one gets a call from someone and is like, okay, great. Well, we can't have a conversation until we're doing my process. So I'll call you later. Click. Like, you know, like we we have some questions. We ask some basic questions. Tell me a little bit about why you want to sell, why you want to, you know, why you want to go where you want to go. And so you're going to be able to use your discretion on how do I want to approach this majority nine times out of the 10 we're going to be sitting down to do that buyer process first. Now, Garrett, here's another part of this, which is there are common questions in the 10-step buyer process, the pre-listing, and the 16-step seller process. So how do we handle that? Because I get that a lot too. And what I like to tell people first off with that is just because you know something doesn't mean we skip the question. However, you don't have to ask the question as if you don't know it. If somebody just told you like, in the buyer process, it, there's a question of, Garrett, how many homes have you have you owned in your lifetime? Five. Great. Then we go over to the seller process, and there is a similar question, right? But it's not how many homes, homes that you've owned, it's how many homes have you sold, right? So I say, so Garrett, you know, when we talked about your buyer, like going through um, the purchase side of things, you mentioned that you've owned five homes in your lifetime. Now, how many homes have you sold before? Two. Interesting. And now tell me about those processes, right? So there is, we assume, oh, he's owned five homes. He lives in this. So he must have bought and sold all those homes, right? Now in my head, I'm like, oh, great. So you must have held on to some of those homes. Did Were those homes all primary residences or they investment properties? And you get to learn more about that seller, that client, and which helps drastically. So don't think that the questions are the same. Use your prior knowledge, you can acknowledge it, and then ask the question, even if it looks like the same question, because you'll get different information. And there's two other things here too, Matt. One is we sometimes always think these questions are to help educate us. And a lot of these questions are to get them to start thinking. And the things that have to come out of their mouth, we always talk about a ninja, it matters who says it. We need to get some information to come out of their mouth. Second is when you repeat these questions, one of the things you always need to be listening for is, am I getting the same answers? And so you might get a different story over here, which allows you to go like, wait, hold on a second. Like, I want to make sure I've got all the right data here. Or you might talk to a spouse who might now be in the process where maybe the spouse wasn't in the in the buy, you know, 10-step buyers process, but now they're part of the listing presentation. And you ask the same question and you're going, whoa, hold on red flag, that doesn't match up. So one is, yeah, no, you never want to skip questions thinking you know them. And second is, they're not always for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's the biggest thing I think everybody needs to really own is that that question might not be for you. It's for them. And don't skip it. A good example of that is the why are you moving? Why are you buying? Why are you selling? Because that question appears pretty much exactly like that in every single part of the process. The 10-step buyer, the 16-step consultation for listings, and the pre-listing interview all have why are you moving, right? Yep. And that's where having that person repeat that over and over again is solidifying in their mind too. Why are we doing this? If you have people who always return to, oh, the 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 finances are this, or they're looking for the barriers, it's because they haven't connected enough with the reason behind it, right? And it, you don't have to ask it purely again. Again, it's like, hey, Garrett, you told me that you're looking for a new house because of X, Y, and Z. So just reviewing that that's the primary reason why you're selling your house as well. So I'll use this example, Matt. So you might find out in asking these questions, when you go through the buying process, why are you moving to Redding, California? Well, I have a job transfer that I need to get there for. As you go through the selling process, you might be going like, okay, so why are we selling this house? Well, we're selling this house because we want to get closer to family. Okay. <laughs> I have a discrepancy now. I've got one we're selling because we want to get closer to family. Second is we got a job transfer that we need to get to. And as you start to dig down more, you realize the whole goal was to get closer to family. The job transfer came about because he started looking for work or she started looking for work in that area, got a job that now said, oh, we got to be there in 30 days now. Like This is what it was. The primary core thing that was making them move was getting closer to family, getting closer to loved ones. You just don't ever want to just go like, oh, they've got a job transfer. That's why they're moving. The more you can dig in, the more information you can gather, the better you can serve your people and helping them get to where they want to go. And I mean, think about the communication you get to have with them now. It's not all just about this job that he just got or she just got. It's now about... Well, tell me about your family. Why are you moving closer to them? Well, my, you know, my family, my parents have health issues. My, you know, my brother is somebody that I've, you know, whatever it might be, you've now got this whole other big piece behind the scenes that you're like, ah, oh, this builds such a stronger relationship as I'm helping them get to where they want to go. And you have better questions to ask when all of a sudden they get in those sticky negotiation positions where we've all had sellers and buyers that just want to go like, Ah, this is too much. I, I'm I'm done. I'm just going to stay here. I don't need to take the job. I just this is too much. I'm just when massive inspection stuff show up. What we have a cracked foundation on this home that we're selling. <laughs> now we got all these other repairs, and they you know the buyer that's going to be buying it doesn't want to make those repairs. Crap! I'll just live here. This house has been fine for me. I'll just stay here. Forget this whole thing. Now you get to go back to: Are you willing to not be closer to your parents? Are you willing to? Because it's not about the job. The job was just a piece in getting them to where they want to go. But the real reason is this family. So that's why, again, we never want to assume that we know the answers to these questions. There's always stuff that'll come up behind the scenes uh, that we just can get a bigger picture with. And uh, I think at the end of the day, Matt, when this is a great topic, the biggest thing that I want to make sure is we watch people that try to do all of this in one step. I like shuffling it all together. And I really want people to understand, like, mm -hmm. picture those two decks of playing cards and imagine shuffling all those things together and the amount of confusion you now have with this deck of playing cards. And let's even take it one step further. Imagine you have a normal deck of playing cards on one hand over here and you have a pinnacle deck on the other side. 
They're very different decks. They look like regular playing cards. I've played blackjack with a pinnacle deck. Super fun game. It's like blackjack <laughs> after blackjack. Or it's really awesome. But imagine shuffling those two decks together. You know, and anybody who doesn't know what a pinnacle deck is, go check them out. It's all like upper like face cards. It's awesome. But when you shuffle those two together, now you have a deck that's all messed up. You can't even play with it. You can't do with it. Like two normal standard decks, you can play with those shuffled together. But even though it's like they're all mixed up in color, pinnacle deck and a blackjack deck look good from the same side, but it's now it's an unusable deck now. Yeah. That's where the confusion can come into be. And that's why you want to keep them very separate processes. Uh, they are two totally different games, and one will lead to the other one usually. Yeah, no doubt. So keep the processes separate. Start with the buyer process. You're going to get a lot more clarity with that. Jim, thank you for this question. Really good one. Thank you, everybody who who backed it up, too. I think he had the most reactions out of any other question that was asked, by the way. He had 33 reactions to that question. So the most popular question that was in there on that post, Garrett. So Jim, thanks for throwing that one out there. Garrett, if people want to join our Facebook group too, they should head over to Facebook where this question came from and search for The Ninja Selling Podcast. We have over 11,500 people in there who are very active. And we have some people dropping just random value too. You'll see somebody say, hey, by the way, I just learned this in an installation and here's my brand new real estate review template. Take a look at it. Like people just drop in great stuff in there. It's such an awesome, sharing, caring group in there. So please join us in our Facebook community there, which is amazing. And if you want to learn more about ninja coaching or ninja selling, if you want some support with one on one coaching, head over to ninjaselling.com, click the coaching tab. If you want to go to an installation, click the courses tab and look for an installation coming up. It's going to be great. And if you've never read the book, just start there. You can hop right on Amazon and look for Ninja Selling by Larry Kendall. There's also an audio version of it, which is read by Larry, which is fantastic. If you've never heard Larry, the guy is smooth as butter. Like it's amazing. <laughs> I just heard from actually uh, a client of mine, Garrett, who was at an installation two weeks ago. And he was talking with his friend who was there. And he said, Larry was telling a story about back when he was listing and selling homes. And, and, and he said, I don't, I can't imagine a time where Larry would not get a listing or get a buyer. He's like, <laughs> he's just so good. Like there's no way there was a time where he was having challenges with that, <laughs> you know, but Larry shares these stories where he was, you know, working through and, and where these processes came from and, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, thought I'd share that. It was really fun. Garrett, thank you very much for going down this topic with me. And thank you, Jim, again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, my last word of wisdom before I let you all go, if you want to have some fun with your kids, and this will, this will uh, just so you know, this will make them stronger as individuals, <laughs> give them a regular deck and you take a pinnacle deck and play the game of war with them where you go one card for card to see who wins and who can get the most and you start cleaning house. Uh, just one after another. Just, 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 <laughs> just do that a couple times and see if they catch on. Uh, older kids are better. Just to see if you can play with an older. Don't do it to a younger child. You'll scar them. A little bit older. <laughs> All right, that's my that's my last advice, guys. I love it. Thanks, everybody. All right, guys. See you on the next one. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There, you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.